Good evening, and welcome back to Crime Time. I'm your host, Bolivar Dawson. Tonight, we continue our seven-part series on the Pensacola Panty Sniffer. Now to recap, it was the spring of 1994, and the sleepy town of Pensacola, Florida, was being interrupted by something incredibly creepy. One witness on the night of August 7th saw a tall, slender man lingering in her backyard, near her clothesline. And what was hanging on that clothesline? Clothes, of course, but also her unmentionables. The man was within sniffing distance. This serial sniffer had been spotted. Following a botched investigation that was not taken seriously by local police, the case has since gone cold. But just like this unnamed sicko left no panty unsniffed, this podcast leaves no stone unturned. I have secured an exclusive interview with the main investigator on the case. Uh, he is still with the force. I got a hold of him. Chief Lacey, sir, are you there? Yes, yes, I can hear you just Fantastic. fine. Okay. So listen, I've got some questions for you. Uh, first off, was there a task? Please tell me there was a task force created to 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 investigate this. So, so don't think that I'm trying to sidestep this question. There was not a task force because ah. this is one unsubstantiated report. The suspect was actually found to be working at the time. He was clocked in. We have him on security camera. He was nowhere near the scene. And actually, walking around two days after, uh, we interviewed all the neighbors, and there's not any clotheslines that were ever hung up in that neighborhood. Okay. Okay. So um, everyone has working washers and dryers. Um, this isn't the 1970s. We don't, we don't use clotheslines anymore. This sounds like a cover-up to me. I've done lots of research. I Googled this, and I looked on Wikipedia, okay? Well, I mean, you would find, on the, even on the Wikipedia page that you're mentioning, um, that there, it's, a, it's less than a paragraph. It talks about that um, the girl tried to get revenge that's on her ex-boyfriend. That's because the police, that, that's because of uh, police intimidation. That's because, uh, what, what Wikipedia page is less than a paragraph? Okay, either it was something that didn't even happen, which is ridiculous, that's what you're saying, or it is something that did happen, which is what I'm saying. And you know what? I expected no less from the person that did not even bother to investigate this. It's been good having you, good sir, on, on this uh, episode. I thank you for your time. Okay, so uh, I apologize for that. I should have known that I would not get an honest answer from him. Uh, so, you know what? We'll do a part eight on this to elaborate on that. So... I'll see you guys next time. Welcome to Crime Time, and thank you for listening. Good night. Okay. Little does he know that I wasn't at work that night. That wasn't me. (laughs) Ever since the Earth has circled the sun, there have been fantastic tales of wonder and mystery that the faint of heart dare not discuss. But two brave, uninformed souls have the brass to tackle every extraordinary happenstance from the modern age to the dawn of Mantis.
Welcome to Donna Mantis, www.donnamantis.com. Also, you can check us out on Twitter at Donna Mantis. Joe, what's going on tonight? I got this feeling. Uh-oh. Inside my bones. Joe's been timberlanked. <laughs> is that Justin Timberlake? I don't know who that is. I think it is. Yeah. And I think it said lanked. You did. Timberlanked. He's been timberlanked. How does one get timberlanked? Oh, I hope I, I never want to know the Tell answer to that question. I want to know. I want to know. There's another song like that too. <laughs> uh, so what do we got tonight? Any rants, raves? Uh, cheers, jeers. It's like Super Tuesday. Tears and jeers. Did you follow that at all? <laughs> I do have. That's uh, ah, going to be weird going into this update from such a jolly uh, intro. Oh, that's okay. Okay, uh, <laughs> we haven't spoken about it in a couple of weeks, but my, you know, uh, my pal Jeff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So listen, listen. Uh, this is the deal. My pal Jeff, uh, the 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 man Jeff Elmer, whom which we played music with for several years. Sure. Go back a few episodes. He disappeared. Uh, he was found. He has been found in. Uh, should I do a recap or something? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can. Well, just yeah. well, he was whatever last. You, whatever you want to do. He was last seen by his parents on on like a Sunday night. This has all been, I think, like three weeks ago now. Um, maybe, golly, has it been? Yeah, because I think he disappeared the ninth, mm-hmm. the ninth of February. Yeah, it seems right. that night. Yeah. So anyway, he wasn't seen, you know, since then. Uh, and his vehicle was found a couple of days later at uh, at a lake, and so everybody was searching the lake. For several days, a couple of weeks go by. I mentioned it on the podcast. I said I have to eat my words a little bit because I said on the podcast, you know, because I went to the lake and walked around for several hours. I didn't feel like he was there. Mm-hmm. He was there. Uh, he was found in the lake in about 10 feet of water. What's what's weird to think about is when I went there, I went with my wife and, and we brought our two-year-old and we went down to this certain area and was feeding ducks and from what I understand, what the police report showed and what uh, what the what showed on television, because I had an ex where he was found, we were 20 feet from where he was. Oh, man. Because there's a little, like, miniature dam thing. And, oh, and there's yeah. a walkway there, and he was found right there. Oh, wow. Only in 10 feet of water. So he was found. Uh, I... I, 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 I'll speculate with friends and stuff about what I think happened because given the circumstances, I won't say anything on here. Sure. All, yeah. all, all I'll tell you is that he, he was deceased and, and we, it's pretty evident that, you know, he went in the night he disappeared. It looked like that's when he went in. Yeah. More than likely. Uh, his body was sent to the coroner's office here in our County and then for reasons I don't know, it was sent to the major uh, I think that's that seems like standard. Is it? Yeah, for anything like that. Okay. I think that's pretty standard. Okay, because he was sent down to- Because I knew a guy one time that actually, well, I knew a guy that knew a guy. I know this. <laughs> but his job was to actually just run those almost back and forth. Like whenever one came in, he would run them down there. Wow. Him or her. Wow. So, I mean, I think that's pretty standard. Okay. 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 Um, that's good to know. From what I know, but what do I know? Yeah. And so uh, we've not heard anything from the coroner. Uh, so, yeah. Really, I don't have anything else to report about that, but we, you know, we there's there's no more mystery, really. Yeah. Um, as to where he is. Now, uh, there, I guess the only questions left are, uh, 
exactly how or why did he end up in the sure. lake. And anyway, I'm not going to go into that because I, I, I think I know why, but yeah you know i don't want to go on the record on here and say anything so anyway rest in peace to to my to my friend and Jeff. just Elmer. uh you know everyone go out and spend some uh quality time with uh yeah. friends and family yeah let um, them know you love them there is a you know it's called quality time for a reason yeah um you know we all have our own devices i, I actually uh on nintendo switch bought uh castlevania and you get like a pack of like castlevania one two three and like some of the ones that came on super nintendo and so i I, at night after everyone goes to bed i've been spending like an hour or so playing castlevania if you've ever played it uh, it's like one of my favorite super or regular nintendo games but as much as i love that like that only does so much for you you know yeah it only it's only just like a mild form of entertainment yeah I mean, this is far superior to that in any time you could spend with your family and things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so spend some time with your family. And hey, I'll tell you what. Here's what I'm going to tell you. <laughs> There's not a lot that could replace something like this. <laughs> so my son came oh. home from daycare the other day singing that that's awesome and it's like you instantly know what it is uh, it's london bridge <laughs> yeah, yeah if you if if you know if you're not up on your uh kid's song <laughs> but uh but i mean that it's just like that little moment right there is like worth a thousand hours of anything else that you know to me i mean maybe you're just like somebody that doesn't like kids and you like to be on your own and that's your thing but um you know to put it in a scientific kind of uh, chestnut, yeah, if you will, sure, uh, <laughs> you shouldn't. I said, if you will, I will not. But anyway, uh, we are communal animals. I mean, we always have been and always will be. It's very rare that someone would go and survive on them on their own and never have any interaction with other humans. Ted uh, Kaczynski for. <laughs> Yeah, but still, it's still even he even he did. I mean, he went into town in the local library and made friends with some like the librarian, and yep. he had his neighbors that he would talk to. They said he wasn't a shy guy, right? But uh, but he was just kept to himself. There's a difference. Yeah. But what I'm trying to say is like I feel like we need that. I feel like biologically we need that. I mean, people talk about the heart, but I think it's almost scientific that we need companionship from others. So I'm gonna say you should get that somewhere the harvard study that i've mentioned before that when did it start like in the in the 30s or something this harvard study followed all these kids and both underprivileged kids and a bunch of uh, harvard freshmen Mm -hmm. and it's the longest running study it's still going because now they're talking to the kids and grandkids of these guys Uh, okay but this study all in a like in a nutshell this is if you will the nut-based podcast i will (laughs) basically overall the the conditions that led to the longest living, happier, healthier men involved not your economic status, not your even if you smoked or not or how well you ate or, you know, what type of work you did. The happiest, longest living, healthiest people were the were the men that were in long term maintained relationships. Oh, OK. 
that makes across sense. the board. It feels it's it almost feels like common sense wise that you have something to live for. Yeah, you know. Yeah, because one of the one of the uh, the guys that was a part of the study said it's not so much your cholesterol level at fifty. It's your relationship status. Yeah. It's and he said those that were in committed, happy, loving relationships almost across the board lived longer. Yeah. It's it's uh, I just thought that was really I can I can I can definitely buy into that for sure. Yeah. So uh yeah, that's that's good stuff. There you go. All right. So citizen scientists is what we are. So let's move on to our story tonight that has nothing to do <laughs> with any of that. Well, Quite it actually does. I, I would argue maybe this guy didn't get that type of companionship. Oh, no, he didn't. Good segue. He absolutely that was did just not. A, that was a guess. I know nothing about this case other than the name because I had to type it in. Uh, yeah, let's talk about well, it. Well, you also knew serial killer, and it is... Uh, pretty common amongst serial killers that they did not have, you know, close knit bonds and, and relationships and happy, healthy childhoods. So, and this is not it. this is not someone that eats too many Lucky Charms, right? No. Serial killer. <laughs> Sorry, I've been wanting to say that for a long time. We've talked about a lot of serial killers, and I've never said that little joke that I find funny. You were the first person I've ever heard made that joke. <laughs> really? No. <laughs> I was about to say. I was about to say. Really? Oh my god! Oh no! I thought I was onto something. So this is a, and I say that every week, but this. you know what? Piss off. It is, it is interesting. This yeah. is an interesting story. This is our most interesting story to date. <laughs> this guy was basically in a nutshell. God, we can't get away from. I think I said in a chestnut. You did. Yeah, in that's a, stupid. Well. It, <laughs> that's just plain. We, that's just, in a, in a chestnut. It, that's just stupid. I think you said all in one chestnut. Maybe. Well, yeah, that's dumb. That's a new thing. I don't that's know. just dumb. <laughs> but keep going, sir. This guy basically was a sociopath that convinced an entire nation that he was a swell guy when, in fact, he was a bloodthirsty, stark raving mad serial killer. Oh, yeah. Couldn't be further from the truth. Exactly. Yeah. So, shall we start? We should. The story of Jack Unterweger is unlike anything you've ever heard of. He went from killer to model prisoner and poster boy for rehabilitation, to minor celebrity, to playwright and journalist, back to killer again. Through his eloquent writing from prison, he convinced an entire nation that he was a new man who had paid his debt to society and was ready to be released back into public life. Many fought for his freedom, only to eventually have the blood of additional victims on their hands. So let's get into the soldiered tale of the silver-tongued devil. All right. Jack Unterweger. Okay. He's from Austria. Oh, gotcha. Let me tell you this. I watched a documentary and I watched a lot of YouTube like interviews and stuff. Man, everyone talks like Arnold. It's not just Arnold Schwarzenegger. Really? Oh, yeah. It was like, we thought we were on the right track. Everybody talks like that in Austria. Everyone. Yeah, that would kind of be annoying. Yeah. I probably just me if you want to live. (laughs) And and they say, get to the chopper, no matter what. Like, even if it doesn't apply to what you're talking about. So what are you talking about? I asked you what's for dinner. I don't know. <laughs> Jack was born on August 16th, 1950 in Austria. His mother was a barmaid, waitress, and occasional sex worker who had several run-ins with the authorities. Hmm. You know, it's a typical childhood. You know what oh, I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Yeah. His father was an unknown American soldier she had met in Trieste, Italy. That's only the first of many words I'll mispronunciate tonight. 
<laughs> the environment Jack was born into was a cocktail of bad actors. Even when he stayed with his alcoholic grandfather, who was a quote-unquote rough character, he learned how to steal farm animals. By age five, Jack was drinking schnapps and had a fiery temper. Of course he was. <laughs> of course he was drinking schnapps. I love picture a five-year-old that drinks schnapps and yeah. has a fiery temper. Yeah. He's like, I ain't got time for this shit. Yeah. Just a five-year-old. I love it. He's like stumbling over his building blocks. <laughs> Keeps knocking them down. <laughs> that reminds me of uh, logs. a joke from uh, John Mulaney where he talks about, can you imagine a child being drunk? And he's like, you get home, what'd you do today? And he's like, eh, I colored. <laughs> what'd you color? Uh, some damn thing. It don't matter. You know, really funny. Anyway, <laughs> don't let your children drink. No, I it I got, I picked up the, the humor from that I, because I know the guy and I could kind of hear him delivering the bit. So yeah, that's good. So Jack was in and out of prison constantly, racking up 16 charges and spending most of his 13th through 21st years in prison. The charges ranged from theft and burglary to pimping and sexual assault on a sex worker. At the end of this period, 21-year-old Jack committed his first murder. After violating her with a foreign object, he uh, strangled... This is going to get rough in a few. I'm okay. Sorry. Yeah, I'm ready. He strangled Margaret Schaefer to death with her own bra. He was arrested and in 1976 sentenced to life in prison. He reportedly told the judge in open court, I envisioned my mother in front of me and I killed her. Hmm. That's good. So, right. That should be the end of it, right? He yeah. did this heinous crime. He was caught. He was put in jail for life. Got to put him in a super secure place where yes. he can't get out and he'll never hurt anyone. Exactly. Okay. Oh, that's it. That's all the time we have for this episode. Right. Thank you for oh, listening. Oh, wait. There's more. Good night. Oh, yeah. I do have six more pages. Oh, <laughs> man. You had one job. <laughs> I'm going to do Arnold so much tonight. <laughs> so, old Jack sauntered off quietly to Rod in prison and uh, he rested there. For the rest of his natural life, it's not. Probably for weeks. Yeah. Well, longer than that. Okay. Um, What Jack did do was something absolutely no one expected. This lifelong criminal, thug, rapist, and murderer turned good. Did he find someone in there? You know. It didn't say. He didn't He didn't really. I think that's more of an American prisoner thing. I think so, too. Yeah. I think our, our prisoners in America find that person. Yes. Uh, Over he, there, I don't know who they find. I don't know either. Yeah. Um, he didn't find Jesus. Okay. You know, I didn't know I was supposed to be looking for him. Yeah. That's <laughs> one of the best lines ever. You found Jesus, Gump. Anyway. There's not many Hispanics in this Aust- Austrian jail. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's kind of racist. Isn't it? Well, it's a name. Come on. Can't be racist for Oh, a name. I just got it. Have you found Jesus? Yeah. Yeah, hey, a yeah. guy named Jesus, which yeah. is a very popular hispanic name yeah i know it's not racist uh yeah someone will say it is but oh, that's okay well someone there's can... always there's always that person i know right this guy transformed almost overnight into the absolute model prisoner every warden's dream and that's not all behind bars unterweger sat down and started writing poetry fiction and his autobiography called purgatory mm. He tells his life story and of his quest to find his mother. He tells of traveling to Salzburg to search for his mother. And although he doesn't find her, he does track down his sister, Anna, who is a prostitute. Um, And Anna is kind to him. And later, and I'm sorry, not his sister, but he tracked down his mother's sister. So his aunt. Oh, yeah. I'm going to get that right. Okay. Aunt Anna is kind to him. And later in the story, he is overwhelmed with grief when he learns that he has been or that she has been murdered by her last customer was the quote that he was given. Hmm. So he blamed all his troubles on his feelings of abandonment and growing up in terrible circumstances, which in his defense 
Yeah, he had a horrible childhood, so you're... I mean, some people can have a childhood like that and turn out a-okay, but... Uh, it sounds like there needs to be an OSHA for, like, sex workers. Like, some, you know, kind of like the equivalent of, hey, don't stand on that top step of the ladder. <sighs> there needs to be, like, hey, hey, you you know, we got to be safe. We This guy doesn't check out. He's kind of shady. Let's not go somewhere private with him. But you know what? Come to mention it. Maybe you shouldn't go somewhere private with a stranger at all. Then you won't die. Well, you know what? I don't, I wouldn't want, obviously, my daughters or my sisters or whoever doing this. But I got to say, just legalize it. Legalize that? Make it, legalize prostitution. Make it safe. Have, you know what I mean? They, it's other legal countries places. Have, every other, not every, other countries have done it. And these girls, they have to be tested. So ever, there's designated places that are safe. It's it's like there's controls set up. Do you know yeah. what I mean? No, I get what you're saying. That So that way you're not, a girl is not standing on a street corner in some shady place picked up by God knows who. So let me say the, let me say the most you know, the strongest criticism for that. And yeah. you just answer this. Sure. Um, I'm, I'm on your side, by the way. But uh, someone would say, well, if you legalize something, that makes people want to do it more. Would you, what would you say to that? Because that's what they say with a lot of things that we try to legalize. You know? Yeah. The data's not there for a lot of it, though. Yeah, I don't, well, I don't know why it would make anyone, it would, the people that are already doing it would just continue to do it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have any basis to say that I don't think more people would do it. I don't. And if more people did so, I, I don't it, know. It's kind of like lottery. I think about this with lottery. Of course, lottery and sex workers are two different things. Uh, somewhat. But anyway, uh, <laughs> if you... Uh, oh, I got a, such a good joke, but you're getting screwed either way. There you go. <laughs> you are. Yeah. Uh, you you definitely are. Uh, bet on the sure thing. But anyway, um, <laughs> if... the The criticism is this, like... Well, that's going to turn this person that was otherwise a, a good person, they're they're going to get a vice, and then they're going to start spending all their money and gambling and all this stuff and on scratch-off tickets and lottery tickets and all this stuff. But I am a firm believer that if you are a person that wastes your money and, and you're not very smart with your money, you're probably already kind of a piece of crap all, before something's legalized, like lottery or gambling. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like all of a sudden something's legalized and then, oh, well, I'm going to quit mowing the yard all of a sudden and I'm, you know, going to quit taking care of my family and that's all I'm going to worry about. I don't I don't see that. I think either you can handle it or you can't. And and you're already probably spending your money in other shady ways, overspending and not taking care of things like you should be. I I, I don't know. I just don't see that. Oh, that's legal. It ruined my life. You know, yeah. I'm t- should we should we criminalize McDonald's because some people can't stop eating it and they get four hundred pounds? No. Should no. we should we criminalize alcohol because even though ninety nine percent of the population can drink responsibly, there are some people that. But are when it's legal, you do have power to like do certain things. Yeah. Like we, if we found out, like, oh, McDonald's is putting crank in the French fries. <laughs> It's a legal thing, so FDA can come in and say, well, you can't put that in those French fries anymore. You know, those French fries are amazing. Uh, I heard one time that they put beef broth in it. They they marinate in beef broth, too. You know, that's one reason why they're so awesome. Yeah. Uh, But anyway, what I'm trying to say is, like, if something's legal, then you do have some control over it. Right. And also, with these sex workers. And you can tax it. Yeah. 
so so throughout history, and this has been happened with listen, so oldest profession. Is that it is the you're oldest profession, that? and they have no rights. Like what I'm saying is, sure, anytime, sure. anytime that they that their rights are infringed upon, or if some like if a John afterwards or before or whatever beats them or murders sure. them, they're afraid to go. Report yeah. that because they're the criminal as well in the eyes of the police. It's like getting all your cocaine stolen. What can you do about it? Right. You, you can't know, go hey, and say, hey, this guy took $50,000 worth of my blow. Right. You know, so, okay, well, we're going to arrest you. I mean, it, it's very, that's very, that's a very construed way of thinking about it, but it is kind of like that. I mean, you don't have a leg to stand on. Right. And they are terrified to go and report this. So it's not. It's not an accident that let's we got Gary Ridgway. These sure. are, these are all serial killers that focus oh. exclusively on sex workers. Gary Ridgway racked up almost fifty kills. Willie Pickton over twenty. Robert Hansen over fifteen. Joel Rifkin uh, seventeen. Even Jack the Ripper, right? And one thing that all these things have in common is that there is such a stigma around the sex working profession that the disappearances either were not investigated yeah. or they were, but not given that much attention yeah. or, or uh, in a lot of these cases, the, the, uh, the sex workers had an idea of who it may be, but they were afraid to go and report that. That's why these guys were, it's not because these guys were criminal geniuses no. that they got those numbers. Yeah. What if you had, yeah, I think you're about to say this, but I'll, but I'll, I'll guess to see if you're about to say this. So if you had like, say a business and that's what your business was. So Sue goes missing, right? So the business actually is not afraid as soon as she's gone to call and say, Hey, she's gone. Right. Can a pimp do that? Right. Like, well, what's your relationship with Sue? Uh, she, my hoe. Right. You know, it don't work. It's like, okay, we're going to arrest you. Yeah. It's like, but if you had a real business, like she works for my business. Well, she wouldn't have a pimp. First off, well, I mean, yeah, she would, it but like, it'd be like a, a, you know, you wouldn't call it a pimp, probably, right? You know, it'd be like a manager. Or <laughs> Can I speak to the manager, please? I'm very dissatisfied. No, but yeah, I get what you're saying, but you know, like red light districts and stuff in places where this is legal, there there aren't these pimps, these shady pimps that are like, yeah, hey, where's my money? You know, yeah, what I, I mean? mean, like Vegas is one of them, right? I mean, it, which it's kind of strange. I don't know. I mean. Uh, like the bunny ranch, even, and stuff even like that. our, our state in Arkansas, if you think about this and this is, uh, some people would be, even be afraid to bring this up. Uh, you know, it's this big, long thing like, Oh, can we get, uh, scratch off tickets and lottery in Arkansas? No, it came on the ballot. No gambling on Arkansas. How long have they been horse racing down there in hot Springs? <laughs> I, seriously. Right. Forever. 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 So. How can they say and, and and marijuana dispensary? So we're we're good with that medicinally now, right? Where was where is one of the first ones opened? Right down there. It's like, right. and then it's like there can only be so many in the state. The first one goes here, right next to the horse track. Right. You know, oh, I don't know, right next to the horse track, but it's 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 kind of a crazy thing. It's not fair, but yeah, I mean, it should be. Uh, now, somebody might say, well legalize everything legalize it you can't legalize things that are inherently like unsafe you can't legalize cocaine no right yeah you know i mean there is a limit people think oh slippery slope actually that's a logical fallacy you can look it up there's no there's logically 
slippery slope doesn't mean anything. Just because one thing happens doesn't mean the next one will. It's all causality and scientific causality and scientific. So don't. Yeah, exactly. Don't go there. You know, like something you said that, and this may be. Look, I don't know if anyone would get on board with with this, but uh, you know, the thing you said of kind of being the double standard of we don't want scratch off tickets, but at the same time we're betting on horse racing. Sure. It's like the same time people are like, well, we hate communism, but at the same time, once a year, every year, the government, <laughs> like I've, look, I'm telling you, this has made me furious forever. Sure. But the government <laughs> will take 15 grand from my wife and I over the course of the year in our taxes and give us back two grand. And then this other couple that maybe one works part time and they have 17 yeah. kids and they live in a trailer and they've yeah. paid in 80 cents in taxes gets back 10 grand. God damn it, that's communism or so, that. You know what I mean? Yeah, they socialism, get, communism. So, socialism yeah. Is, yeah. I'm sorry, socialism yeah. is what I meant. Um, so yeah, that's I'm like people. The socialism's been around forever. Yeah, yeah. That just and, makes and, and no there's sense. Some examples that make sense, and there's some that that do not. Yeah. Um, so because yeah. my wife and I both work full time jobs, and I have a part time job on the side, and we try, and we, you know, didn't have. 15 kids of course we physically can't but See, still we well, didn't <laughs> i mean that's that's frustrating to me punished. on a personal level but like i don't get worried about that as much anymore because uh one time for a few week period like every night after work i would research corporate welfare and these companies <laughs> that should fail that don't yeah and yeah, both yeah. parties don't say oh yeah the Republicans are no, 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 no. Don't do that. Yeah, yeah. It's both parties because yeah. you notice it doesn't go away when a no, new party gets in. Uh, these companies that should fail, and if you look up that rate versus the regular welfare for the regular person, it's it's out. It's like it's pennies to the dollar or pennies to the hundreds of dollars. Right, right. I mean, it's crazy. And and the argument is, well, if you let a business fail, all these people are out of work. So there's a safety net to run a company and not, I mean, I that's thought it's supposed cap- to be free market that's capitalism. I thought that's what we, I thought we were capital. That's you know, capital. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I mean, there probably does need to be some kind of safety net. I don't know where, where, it, how far it needs to go, but I'm just trying to say like, it's hard to get mad at one and forget about the other one. Yeah. Because I don't know. It's crazy. All I'm saying is the airlines are huge. Man, we've given so much money to airlines. I'm just saying legalize prostitution. Me too. Because <laughs> who's it hurting with with some guy? Some guy. Let's say there's some 40 year old guy, and he is not. He doesn't look like, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal. I don't know. Is he even supposed to be handsome? I think he is. Who's handsome? Brad Pitt. Sure, he doesn't look like Brad Pitt. You know, he's got a paunch and male pattern he looks baldness. More and, like Timothy Schmidt. <laughs> He's painfully awkward around girls and has been his whole life, and he just wants to work and go home and and play D and D or whatever. And and you know what? Maybe every once in a while he scrapes together two hundred fifty bucks, and he just has a need that he wants met. Yeah. And so he meets another grown ass adult, and they have a, an amicable business transaction. And she makes money, and his needs are met. He goes home. Everyone's happy. Yeah. I don't know. Or maybe I'm horrible, and I'm going to hell. But I'm just well, saying. I'm and just it's, saying. And it's legal. I, 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 what What if? Your thing is like, <laughs> oh, where are we going with this? Oh, we can edit. Go ahead. We can always stop. And okay. <laughs> what if your thing was that, that people wanted to put their pinky in your earlobe <laughs> or in your ear and, and you could charge $10. I did not think you time, were going to say ear, but every time, every time someone wanted to do that, you could charge $10 for someone to put 
their pinky in your ear. You know, it's like that's your ear and that's their pinky. You can charge them. I, I, I'm not trying to say I know I know sex is a different thing. But what I'm really trying to get at is like that's your body and you're consenting adult. And and it probably should be illegal if it's if there's not some kind of system. Because I mean, there can be bad things like Systems STDs and to stuff keep everyone like, yeah healthy that's and protected. Right. That's that's where the difference. That's why it needs to be regulated. So if it's happening anyway, which it is, it should be legal and uh, you know regulated and taxed and all that stuff. Yeah, it's funny how it's it's yeah it's her body, her choice until it comes to that. Oh yeah, yeah. no, well no, that's not your body, your choice. This is different. This is illegal. Yeah, you can't do that with your yeah. body. And, but and yeah, there that would be there would be people on both sides of both parties that would tell you, you know, that they're not for that. But, you know, anyway, uh, don't listen to me. I'm not advocating for whatever. Anyway. Yeah. 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 I mean, I could probably be convinced the other way if I had great evidence that would say, hey, if you did this, this might happen. Someone else has tried this and this has happened. Right. I mean, there there's probably stuff like that. I don't know. I've never really read into it, but a common sense thing. Common sense approach makes me agree with you right now at this point. Well, good. You agreeing with me is agreeable to me. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. So overnight, one of Austria's most dangerous men became one of its best-selling authors. Jack wrote frantically while in prison, producing beautifully written poems that garnered attention from some of Austria's most notable academics. His short stories and plays were also hailed as true works of art by Austria's high society. Hmm. Through his masterfully created literature, he convinced an entire nation that he was a misunderstood, sensitive soul who had only went mad because of growing up without a mother or stable family. Hmm. By 1985, everyone was eating it up and a campaign to free Jack began. Writers, artists, journalists, and politicians railed for a pardon. Even Nobel Prize winner Alfred Jelinek, I think that's how I said, was on Team Jack, demand, demanding he be released. However, Austrian President Rudolf Kirschlager, perfect, thank you, Kirschlager, was not amused and refused to grant the pardon, citing the court-mandated minimum of 15 years in prison. I am so anti-pardon, I can't even see straight when I when either party uh, wherever you're talking about Austria whatever it's such a stupid thing it yeah, drives me crazy you've ranted about that before yeah it is weird because the justice system has done its job yeah this guy's in prison and then a politician goes let him out now now okay the DNA thing the project what's it called again oh I don't know the uh, uh, it's the DNA basically they some lawyers take the DNA evidence and they prove. Oh yeah, I forgot what it's called. The Innocence it. Project. Yes, the, you're right. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. So that is going within the rule of law, right? And they're retrying and all that stuff like that, and they're getting them out and stuff like that. Uh, I, I get that people are soft on pardons with that because it's like, hey, listen, he, there's no way it was him. But to me, it's like the rule of law. I mean, it's almost like it's almost like it. It just weakens the whole system. If one guy or girl can just sign a paper and get someone out. Right. Uh, it's so, it's so like monarchish. It is. You know? Yeah, or, it or is. Or dictatorship-ish. Yeah. It's so frustrating. Yep. I, I hate it every time a president does it. Um, I don't know. I, I wish a legal scholar would, would message us and say why it should exist and give me some compelling evidence because it drives me up the wall. 
It does. It makes me so mad. I don't know. They spend all this time and money to convict this person, and it's like, oh, I get them out because I hold a high office. Listen, uh, nice. I'm going to bring you over to meet my buddy Ivan. He's a cool dude. He's laid back. He's he's the like really he's the nicest guy I've ever met. But listen, for the love of God, don't mention pardons. Yeah, he'll lose his shit. Okay. Yeah. Don't talk about pardons around him. That I, I, that or Swiss cheese for something. If he loses shit on that too. Okay. So anyway, we'll just have a few beers. No big deal. Don't mention pardons. Yeah, I'm mild mannered until it comes to that. <laughs> anyway, continue on, sir. Okay, so we got this minimum 15 years that that they're going to make him stick to. So for the next five years, because he'd already been in there 10, Jack continued to be a model prisoner, write his poems, and share his story of rehabilitation. He even wrote children's stories that were played on Austrian radio. Wow. No, scheisse. This this all is a huge turnaround. Yeah. Uh, Not a turnaround. Surprise. Yes. I think I know where you're going with it, but let's keep going. Well, when his minimum 15-year sentence was up, and this was on May 23rd, 1990, he was released. Hmm. The prison governor declared, and I quote, we will never find a prisoner so well prepared for freedom. (laughs) Whoever wrote that, I just... (laughs) Well, I'm telling you what, they were pushing, so at the time... The Austrian prison system was pushing this thing that they called socialization. Yeah. And they were pushing it hard, and he was their poster child. Yeah, but for a killer, uh, anyway, I I get it. I mean, you want, we want as humans to think that we can have this little system, and this person comes in, and they're reformed, and then they're, you know, pat them on the back, and they go out in society, and they become a productive member of society, and everyone, everyone benefits from their release. Yeah. Uh, but I don't hear the, the birds chirping and the butterflies <laughs> flapping in this case. <laughs> so yeah, Jack was already a minor celebrity when he walked out of the prison gates a free man, and he quickly set to work capitalizing on that celebrity. Mm. He became a spokesman for rehabilitation. He granted interviews, wrote articles, and even hosted television shows discuss- discussing the topic. He appeared on multiple panels as an expert on rehabilitation and was hired by several magazines to write about the subject. With his newfound fame came a little wealth and privilege as well. Jack dressed in sharp white suits with silk ties, drank fine champagnes, and bought a new Ford Mustang with a tag that read, Jack won. Jack won. He did win. Oh, no, won. Yeah, the number one. Jack won. Yeah, I got you. And you can find on YouTube clips of him. Of course, it's all in, in Austrian or whatever they speak. But he's a suave, debonair-looking dude sitting there yeah. in his white, full white, yeah. you know, tuxedo-looking thing. And, and uh, yeah, man, he was a celebrity for a minute. Yeah. It was a great story. We got You got to admit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jack was a guy you wanted to believe in with a story you wanted to believe. Mm-hmm. People loved the idea that a poor kid who was compromised by the terrible environment into which he was born could find purpose in prison and completely change his life for the better. If there's hope for him, there's hope for me. There's hope for me. Yeah. All I've got is a terrible, debilitating panty sniffing addiction. <laughs> and look at him. He come out smelling like a rose on the other side. <laughs> he was he was the poster boy for Austria's penal system. I can't. Oh yeah, keep going. Uh they're a shining example of what success should look like. But no one knew. But no one knew at the time. I ruined that good. That sure, turnover. surely someone knew. Yeah, maybe Jack knew. 
Ah. But what no one knew at the time was, even as he was appearing on talk shows, writing articles, granting interviews, and being celebrated as a true example of rehabilitation, Jack had begun murdering women almost immediately after being released from prison. How long? How long after he was released? I think it was within two months. Oh, man. I'm not kidding. In fact, authorities would later find out that uh, Jack was often reporting on the very murders that he himself had committed. What do you mean reporting? So he got hired by magazines to do stories on missing women. Oh, really? And we'll get into it in a minute. But he was also sent to Los Angeles to do a story on their uh, red light district and how the how poorly the sex workers were being treated and how some of them were disappearing. He was writing a story on that and he was the one killing them. <laughs> yes. You can't write this. Uh, you, can, like, you can write it. but I would uh, suppose that it would be incredibly easy for just some guy, let's say me, <laughs> to go out and kill these poor sex workers. Some sex worker, let's say her, right over there, to do something terrible, not that I would. No. Again, learn my lesson first yeah, time. Yeah, <laughs> uh, You're not getting me on that again. <laughs> I've learned my lesson. Yeah. I ain't no killer. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That's that's how he'd say. Oh, he didn't. That's how he'd say. He doesn't even speak English. I'm sure. But yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, the first victim, and I was wrong. It was four months. The first victim was found was found in September, just four months after Jack's release. Okay. The body of Blanca Bakova, a Czech prostitute, was found in Prague. She had been beaten and strangled with her own underwear, which was Jack's modus operandi. That is incredibly bold, because <laughs> that's what he. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. That's yeah. what you said. Yeah. <laughs> With that fancy Latin word. Yes. And turns out that Jack was in Prague during the time of the murder doing some research on a piece he was writing on the red light district. They must have not had a Sherlock Holmes on that one, did they? I know, right? Well, it you seems know. Seems incredibly. I, I just think there would almost be somebody that would be like, yeah, he seems like he's a good guy, but there's something, some kind of sixth sense tells me that he's not. And then when that happened, you would think they could have said, hey, hey, wait, wait, wait. Well. He was there and the same type of murder. Oh, I know. A copycat. Yeah. I don't know. It just seems. But hindsight's twenty twenty. Well, and they wanted. Well, just think about this. This is a fictional person, but the Shawsh- the Shawshank Redemption. Okay. Red. He's a murderer. Sure. He murdered one time. He talks about it. Yeah. It was a long time ago. Oh, that's true. And you love. We love Red. We love him. Yeah. Red would never do that again. That's true. I mean, I guess you could win everyone over. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And plus, it's a big world, and that, that was, you know, a different country and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I could see that. So, oh, and I want to go back to, and I said something that I hate, and, and, I, and I always try to tell myself that I'm not going to say this, and I said You it. didn't say the N-word. No. <laughs> oh, my God. No. I said, I said you, wait, 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 wait. That was bad. That was bad. I have to, I have to clear that up before we no, move on. No, I knew on. you didn't. I know you didn't. Okay, go ahead. I know what you meant. Go ahead. You said something that you hate, and I said the N-word, like. No, no, no. Like, I was saying that you said that and that you hated that you said that. Not that you hated. Yeah. Sorry. No, that, I, I was trying to be mean. funny and it was like way too dark. No, no. It was no, like, no. whoa, 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 whoa. No. We are not racist I want to. Can I get a pardon? <laughs> I'll I pardon you, you over. That. I knew what you meant. No. Don't you pardon me. <laughs> I don't deserve it. I knew what you meant. Yeah, I got you. If someone wants to take you the wrong way, they'll do it no matter what you say. So whatever. I knew what you meant. Yeah, okay. Keep but what on. I was saying was something that I said that I hated was that thing where you can't write this stuff. I hate uh. that. There was a comedian one time that said someone wrote 
The Hobbit. You, you can. <laughs> someone wrote Star Wars. You can write this. Nothing can happen that you can't write. That's true. You can't you, write this. You stuff. can't make this stuff up. Yeah. Uh, you, like, yeah. You can actually. That's a great point. <laughs> that is a great point. There's been some crazy stuff. I mean, think of the 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 Wall by Pink Floyd. I mean, that was a crazy like concept album with a bunch of crazy stuff. Yeah. And when I'm listening to it, I'm like, you can't write this. Yeah. Stuff. You can't write it. This oh, wasn't wait. written. <laughs> Someone did write it. It was remembered. God. All right. So after Bakova was found, more bodies started to pile up in Austria. Uh, Okay. Brunhilde? 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 Yeah. Masser, Heidi Hammerer, Alfrede Schrempf, Sylvia Zegler, Sabine Moitzel, Karen Slodke, and yeah, I know. Regina Prem were all found in the woods, beaten and strangled with their own underwear. At this point, a few people were looking at Jack with raised eyebrows, but no one wanted to believe it. Not Jack. He's so handsome. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so instead, the papers blamed the murderers on the mysterious and unknown Vienna Woods killer is the name they gave to him. Ah. In the absence of any other viable suspects, the police were gearing up to take a serious look at Jack and place him under surveillance. By the way, after how many was that? After that many women? Yeah, like seven or eight. Yeah. Okay. We'll start looking at them. them. It's going to be a waste of time. It's going to be a waste of manpower if you ask me, (laughs) but we'll look at them. This is off the subject, but I wonder if you and I ever, which we never would, but if we ever attempted to get into public life, like if either one of us ever ran for any sort of office, there's there's a gold mine of clips sound bites that you could take from all these podcasts yeah and, we're and take them out of content and no one's we're gonna... screwed because uh you know people on podcasts make a great point i mean in uh, rogan's the last guy i heard to say this like a presidential debate is just a debacle i don't think he used the word debacle uh he wouldn't use that word that's a stupid <laughs> word but anyway uh you know they each have maybe 10 minutes maybe right um but no one will sit down and listen to somebody on an entire podcast to actually find out the, the breadth and the depth behind that person. They'd rather just look, oh, did you hear that Bernie Sanders said this? Right. And, Sound and, bites. Oh, man. I don't, Sound bites. I don't like that Bernie Sanders. Yeah. Or I don't, I don't like that Joe Biden. I don't, but it's like, it's one sentence. I mean, imagine pulling a, like you were saying. I mean, you, you brought this up. It's your point. I'm just hammering it home. Like, one sentence from this podcast taking out what you said before and after it yeah and yeah taking it out of context or yeah, yeah there's a gold mine of that here's yeah. what i think should happen joe rogan has already had tulsi gabbard on he's already had bernie on yeah i think rogan should have every presidential candidate well, on for like a three-hour conversation well after it gets kind of narrowed down i mean yeah for sure yeah not i when mean there's not a pool 50 of 20, people but, right right yeah right. When, yeah when we're down to like six or whatever yeah i don't know yeah, which we should be after today. And the last election, he had Gary Johnson on. Yeah. And he had a several others. I think he may, I don't know who else he had. I think he had one or two others. No, I mean, it's somebody said you should moderate a debate. And he was like, no way. That's that's silly. That yeah. I don't believe in any of that. That's, no. That's, you don't get a good uh, feel who the candidate should be by that. Uh, you know, both you and I like Tulsi Gabbard when she was on. And there's a good chance that we would like three or four other candidates if we actually listen to them for mm-hmm. two hours. And Rogan is right. Because they're just a normal person at yeah. that point. Because they're they're crazy. Like, if they have some kind of crazy idea, like, you and I, 
are like best friends, but there's probably an idea that that you or I would have, and the other one would say, "Yeah, that's a little out there." I mean, yeah, as like, as as well as we know each other and like each other, there there are some crazy things. But once we talk for a long period of time, most of our crazy levels kind of you know it's just it's only some spikes like you you don't like asian people and i'm i'm not cool with that i'm on the record no say, no <laughs> and we just have to agree to disagree on that yes we should no i'm kidding yeah but yeah so rogan is <laughs> it's right it's funny how I, i'm like we have to agree that it's okay that one of us can be racist <laughs> we'll like, just agree to disagree I'm on like, that I one i don't think we can do that yeah that's kind of a biggie no we should have done no, I don't know. I don't want to keep going on that because that's one of those sandbots. I can, obviously, I, I don't, you know, it's a it's a joke. But, like, you know, it, it's just so funny that, that um, you think that you can watch soundbites and you can actually get a good scope of what someone's all about. I mean, think about family members that you know for years and then they get drunk on Thanksgiving and they end up talking way more than they have and they talk about something – somewhere they'd been for five years that you never even knew about that sliver of their life. And they, you know, they went to the Peace Corps and did all this stuff in the jungles and stuff. And you never even knew. I didn't know Uncle Frank like, sexually oh, I he experimented was a- <laughs> in college. It's crazy. I thought this was a boring guy, but turns out he made several pipe bombs. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> what was I going to say about Rogan, though? He is right. Major networks and, and the big suits got it wrong they thought no one had an attention span to listen to anything longer than two minutes well some people probably don't a lot of people probably don't but millions do that's why podcasts came out of nowhere that's why these long-form conversations yeah including those of you listening right now thank you can sit down or sit down no one really sits down you're always doing something i listen to podcasts like six hours a day while i'm working yeah i hope you're doing something while you're listening to us i hope you're not staring at the ceiling tiles yeah, it'd be a little weird, but yeah. If you but are, if you okay. are, that's fine. I mean, that's don't fine. don't don't drop us. Come on, wait. But you know, no. Usually, like, what do you do when you're driving? You're yeah, working, working on. Yeah, when I'm out in the shop tinkering around, that's when I listen to podcasts. Yeah, and I listen to mine all day because while I'm working on yeah, things and sure, but uh, pooping and whatnot. So yeah, you just listen to cool. why you do all this stuff. It is cool that, it, and I've said it before, <laughs> it's not some uh, network fat cat that gets to pull uh, call the shots on this now. I will say this, and there's some of them that are pretty good, but there are some big podcast entities that have several podcasts, and some of them are actually okay. I've listened to some of them, but they actually are very heavily corporate produced, yeah. sponsored, and all yeah. this stuff, uh, <clears throat> and, and that's okay. I'm not saying there shouldn't be, but the cool thing is, is most are not. No, this is pirate radio, baby. Yeah, it every really man is. from We are just two nobodies. Yeah. On a dirt road in Arkansas in a shed. Yeah. And What's funny is if if we if this signal went out on the radio, the FCC would come and pull the plug and, you know, you'd have to have all these standards. But right. because it's not, because it runs through a wire. Which I love you, it. Which is kind of funny. It should be the other way, right? You would think so. Because this goes, like, through utilities and all kinds of stuff, <laughs> like, through, like, cable networks, and you have to pay for that service, and it comes into your phone that you pay for that. Yeah. But- if you had a little antenna out and you broadcast for like six miles, then they would come and shut you down like instantly. But if you could reach like hundreds of thousands of people instantly, it's like, ah, it's okay. Yeah. You know <laughs> it's what? It's kind of funny. We're coming I'm up. glad it's like that. I am too. It's kind of funny. Let them, let them regulate the Stone Age part of it. 
<laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. Welcome to 1077 yeah. or well, what, what, what's the AM radio? 1005 yeah. AM. Yeah. Yeah, let them regulate that. Well, what's funny is I, I'm a ham radio operator, so I'm like a mandated reporter. So if I'm, I'm ever on a frequency and there's some kind of crazy pirate radio station, I'm supposed to report to the FCC and really? stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know that I would. Actually, wait, I would. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, you uh, would. Yeah, you would. I mean, I, if if I felt like it was bad enough and it was, you know, they were like a long way away and it was some kind of major thing. I probably would because that's not the spirit of ham radio, but uh, that is kind of crazy that uh, the, it's kind of it's kind of flipped. But I'm glad it is. I like the idea of some crazy guy broadcasting his silly conspiracy theories from a Winnebago out in the woods. You know, it's like telling the truth, man. And he's like, "Where's this signal coming from? This yeah. son of a bitch!" I yeah. love the I love the Wolfman Jack yeah. that lore and stuff. Yeah, uh, I, I forgot the comedian that was talking about this, and it was on another podcast. So I'm going to repeat a story repeated by someone else. <laughs> but anyway, basically, they it was this comedian that did impressions. And I wish I remember who it was. But he could do all these impressions. And one of his great impressions was the Wolfman Jack. Can you do it? It's no. kind of real. Like, eh. Yeah, well, Wolfman Jack. Yeah, something like, something like that. It's something like that. But yeah, but, uh, So this comedian was in the theater. And then he heard some like kind of a ruckus. And uh, the people were saying, hey, it's Wolfman Jack. And it was the real Wolfman Jack. No way. Coming into the movie theater. And so this story takes a turn because when I first heard it, I thought, oh, the comedian's going to say, hey, you're my hero. I, you know, I do an impression of you on stage. Yeah. That's not what happened. This comedian took advantage to, like, yell out things in the Wolfman Jack voice <laughs> during the movie. Everyone thought Wolfman Jack was just some, <laughs> some kind of jerk that wouldn't watch the movie without talking. It wasn't like Frank Caliendo, was it? No, it wasn't Caliendo. Okay. I would know. It was somebody lesser known, but okay. it was it was it was. In it, I think it would have to be somebody from back in the day because right, Wolfman right. Jack was you know that was back in the sixties. Uh, most people listening to us probably don't even know who the hell he is, but yeah, yeah he was a he was Jack, famous, well, very famous radio guy. Yes, yes, uh, AM radio. Uh, but anyway. Uh, I just thought that was a funny story. Like everyone, like, man, Wolfman Jack sure is a jerk. We're trying to watch this movie and he won't quit talking. Anyway, I thought that was pretty funny. You imagine how mad he was. Like it's not me, hey, it's not me. Yeah. You know. Oh. Uh, all right. Look on with the show. But then, well, okay. So we just I, let me recap just a little bit because as we always do, we got just a little bit. So did he, we? Did we? <laughs> He he murders like I think seven. Let me go. So he's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven women. Right, were found beaten in the woods, and this yeah. is after uh, Blanca Bakova. They're beaten, and then his, the police started looking at him. The police are finally like, God dang it, we don't want him to be him, but we're actually going to look at him. <laughs> please, they didn't. Please, who would? And all the people that advocated for him to get yeah. out of prison, they're like, Oh, it can't be him. Yeah, that's not very scientific, but uh, I get it. You're you're you know you you want. You want to see the good in people. Yes. Yeah, I understand that. So in the absence of any other viable suspects, the police were gearing up to take a serious look at Jack, and they did place him under surveillance, right? But then, very suddenly, in 1991, the killings in Austria stopped. Mm. But this happened to coincide with another event. I mentioned it earlier. Around that same time, Jack was hired by an Austrian magazine and sent to Los Angeles, California, to write about crime and the differences between U.S. and European attitudes towards prostitution. Once in L.A., Jack settled in at the now infamous Cecil Hotel. <laughs> See, we don't have to watch this guy. They all the killing stopped by themselves when he left. I told you. <laughs> 
<laughs> if it would have been him, they would have kept going. Oh, he, he went out of town? I'm sure the two are unrelated. Yeah. Yeah. So I mentioned he stayed at the Cecil in Los Angeles, right? Yes, yes. I, I couldn't mention that without talking a minute about the Cecil. Okay, yeah, let's talk about we it. We could do a whole episode about the Cecil. Yeah, I don't. I know nothing. Really? Yeah, oh, I know nothing. This let is awesome. me tantalize you with this boy. All right. The Cecil was built in 1924 at a cost of $15 million in today's money. It was touted as a luxurious destination for travelers, but unfortunately, the Great Depression hit not long after opening. The Cecil made a comeback in the 1940s, but by the 50s was basically known around L.A. as a pretty shady hotel. This was only made worse by the growth of Skid Row, a nearby area in L.A. occupied by thousands of homeless people, drug addicts, and transients. I might have I might have known about something, this from a documentary or something. I got two words. Sounds familiar. Lisa Lamb. Oh, yeah. The Cecil. That's yeah. where she disappeared. Okay, okay. I got you. The Cecil has also garnered quite a reputation for violence and being associated with violent people. Jack Unterweger wasn't the only serial killer to ever hang his hat at the Cecil Hotel. Richard Ramirez. Ah, the Night Stalker. Mm -hmm, the infamous Night Stalker killer, you got it. He also <laughs> stayed at the Cecil for a while during the 80s. Apart from these two famous tenants, there was no shortage of violence, murders, and suicides, though, at the Cecil. The first suicide was in 1931 when a guest named W.K. Norton died in his room after taking poison capsules. Norton! Norton! <laughs> But he was only the first of many to take their lives within the walls of the hotel. In fact, many folks in the city nicknamed it the Suicide instead of the Cecil. Ah, that's that's catchy. In 1964, a tenant named Pigeon Goldie Osgood was found raped, stabbed, and beaten to death in her room. That crime remains unsolved. Even the most famous murder case in L.A. history has ties to Cecil. Elizabeth Short, the Black Dahlia. Mm-hmm. More commonly known as the Black Dahlia, was seen drinking at the Cecil's <laughs> Hotel Bar just days before her murder. No, that's not good. I wonder what ever happened to her. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I got. I can show you pictures. Oh, I've seen the pictures. Ooh, yeah. That's girl. a messed up thing. Yeah. Oh, let's cover that one. Why is that so famous? I wonder. I just because I think it's because of the circumstances and where she was left and the condition of her body. Yeah. I mean, she was cut in half. Yeah. She but was I mean, halved. I guess, I mean, it's very intriguing, but I mean, you could probably find other cases. I wonder if it's because she's like an aspiring sing singer, actress, right? Wasn't I, she? Yes. She went there. She moved. And to it's kind of like the American dream. Like yes. you're going to move out here and it's, yes. you know, maybe that resonates because it's like some little girl wants to move away from her parents and they're like, hey, what about the Black Dahlia? You and know? it's the whole irony of her wanting to be remembered in history. And oh, and she was. That whole thing, too. Yeah, there's a romance about the whole thing. What was her name? Do you uh, remember? Elizabeth Short was her oh, real yeah, name. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I don't. It's, it's weird. Why <laughs> do some cases become so world famous and others that are a lot of times way more gruesome or interesting? They just kind of go under the radar. Well, I mean, it's it's the same reason why, you know, Tiny Tim was famous, you know? It's like, I mean, no disrespect to the guy. He died a few years ago. Well, it's actually been quite a few years ago. But, I mean, come on. Is he a great singer, songwriter? No! Yeah. No! Yeah. That, now I found your, now I find your, mine was the pardon thing. Yours is the Tiny Tim. Yeah, don't mention <laughs> Tiny Tim around Joey. He goes off. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, but... Come on. He but was that's just not the weird. way fame works. You know, kind of the way I look at it, and you're, you're, you fall in this category, like the people that deserve to make it don't sometimes. Right. And uh, not right. that it's just, it's just not fair that, that somebody 
can I can watch a guy in the Grammys with a guitar and he's playing, you know, G and C and his voice isn't incredible, but there's girls out in front of the stage like melting every word. Right, yeah. But he's yeah. just kinda singing under his breath. Oh no, auto tune now, buddy. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, uh, wait, that's not good, but they think it is. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, uh, I guess that's the way arts, the arts, uh, entertainment, you know, all that scene goes. I guess. Yeah. They just got to have that it factor. Yeah. Yeah. Or that shit factor. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. <laughs> we should we should start a, a reality TV show called Shit Factor. <laughs> and it should be where the audience and the fans at home vote for the worst and the worst one gets a recording contract. Yeah. Like, if you're too good, you get voted off. You know what makes me angry about those shows is, like, uh, uh, American Idol. Yeah. When they come on there. And this is, look, this is coming from a guy who who sings in a cover band. Sure. But I also write my own shit. Yeah. No one just wants, no one wants to hear it. So yeah. I play that in public. Oh, come on. But, but, I, what we're really shoot is when someone sings a cover and they sing like oh i'm covering whitney houston's whatever and then the judge goes you know you're a really you're a passionate artist we love you and i don't think you're an artist so much if you just sing someone else's song and i know that could be argued because you can put your own spin on it you can do this or that well but i, I say i say make it your own for sure well, yeah and i i've seen people on there that should make it but they don't make it too far because they're really unique and they've got a great voice and they've got they just got I mean, I'll say it again, or you said it first, the it factor. For me, it's like that's someone that I would buy their album, but I think you and I are more rare in the case that, you know, in the in the slice of the average everyday fan. Right. We would like that person. It's like, oh, that person writes their own songs, they play guitar, and they've got a voice that's a little bit different. I don't know how many Whitney Houston sounding people have made it and they go up to the top three and, you know, they make it that far. But to me, it's like, I Whitney Houston, incredible voice. Yeah. She should have been famous. She deserves everything she ever got. But then, Except for Bobby Brown. Well, well that too. And, 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 <laughs> I'm uh, just kidding. Whatever. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of jokes there. <laughs> but, you know, then someone else comes at American Idol and she's she's got that same type of voice. Sings that same way, rolls the notes like at the end, woo, yeah. you know, yeah. all that stuff. Uh, it's like, yeah, that's been done. I mean, would there be somebody that would make it on that show if it was another Chris Cornell or whatever, if it's almost identical? It's like that type of voice can be done over and over again and win American Idol over and over again. To me, I want the unique people to go pretty well, far. And plus, I'm so jaded against the whole thing because if that show's going and I'm walking through the living room and I hear some girl up there going, yeah, see, that's what I'm, I'm just saying. Like, who, who, who gives a shit? Yeah. Every, you can go to any church on any corner in America <laughs> on Sunday morning and find someone that can sing like that. Yeah. I don't care. To me, it's like, can you sit down and write something? Can yeah. You, can you play and create something? I don't, anybody can go, rub a doo 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 Who gives a shit? You notice there's not a that's, show that's, that's like, weird. and maybe there is, and I just haven't seen it, but. It's like all originals. It's like an American Idol, but Dude, everything's original. That would be awesome. Yeah, but and you create it, music. Yeah, but people want to hear people want to hear the Whitney Houston cover, though. You know? Yeah, I, they yeah. don't. Most people don't want to hear some original, and which, that's true. Which I would rather hear the original. That's why I make money in a cover band 
Yeah. And when you and I were in an original band for seven years, we made eight dollars in seven years. <laughs> no one wants to hear original <laughs> shit. Well, so, until you're established, they don't. I guess. Yeah, I guess. Uh, or it's got to be the it's got to be the right thing, the right time, the right everything. Right. And right. if you don't strike that, if you don't strike all hit all those categories, you you don't make it. And then it's a lot of luck, and it's you know. I don't know. And they kept telling me, Joey, you've got a washboard stomach and amazing pecs. Open yeah. your shirt while you sing. And I was like, yeah. I'm not going to use my amazing sexual prowess and my animal magnetism to promote my music. I'm just yeah, not going to do it. I've got that's, standards. That's and I a, didn't. That's not a good idea. And I didn't. Yeah, I did. And, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> and that still didn't work. Yeah. I mean, yeah. No, you can't use, I can't use my pudgy, abnormally hairy stomach to sell my music. Yeah. I mean, we did that whole tour where I didn't have a shirt on for the entire six months and. Yeah. The red carpet tour. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know why we started that tour in January anyway. And I don't know why they were all red or red. I don't know why they were all outdoor concerts. I think you guys were pranking me. I think that was a, a Ooh, prank tour. Jesus, that was so good. You got frostbite on my nips. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we've talked about Black Dahlia. She was seen at the Cecil Hotel. That's yeah. hard to go from red carpet. <laughs> that was a that was a uh, reference to chest hair, by the way. Oh, um, no, no. I no, I'm explaining to the audience. Oh, okay. I, I think they're smart enough to know. If we were video, we could have a little black and white disclaimer at the bottom, <laughs> like a ticker. <laughs> That was not meant to be racist. <laughs> that was not meant to be sexist. Yes. He wasn't talking about that. Yes. Was, yeah. Good God. We could have those look going. I mean, we'd have to hire a typist. For the hashtag woke people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the woke ticker. Yeah. <laughs> if you're if you're woke, read the ticker during this podcast, <laughs> our vodcast. I almost stopped listening to a podcast today because it was a serial killer podcast, but they were talking about one of the victims, and they said of the victim... Uh, this this murder happened in the 70s, and we don't know. Uh, the person was born male uh, and dressed as female, but we don't know if they identified as female, so we will be referring to, him, to them as the pronoun they and them for the rest of this episode, as uh, to not. Yeah. And I was like, I almost want to stop listening to this. This is yeah, ridiculous. It gets a little confusing. Uh, so, so on Disney+, Plus, if you watch like uh, like Pinocchio, at, from, at on the beginning of Pinocchio, it says, warning, you know, what can Pinocchio be rated other than G? <laughs> but it says, warning, tobacco references. Oh, my God. So in case you want to, you know, I started smoking when I was age five after I watched Pinocchio. I thought, hey, yeah. you know. I want a corn it, cob pipe. Yeah. I, I don't care if I turn into a donkey. I'm still going to smoke. Yeah. Yeah. Bring it on. Oh, that's almost as bad as there was a clip from, I think, The View. And it's Joy Baker or whoever. One yeah, of those ladies. Behar, are, yeah. That's it, yeah. Somebody was on there, and I, I think the reference <laughs> they made was something about, oh, you know, and that was the smoking gun. And she was like, hey, hey, easy with the gun references. Oh, my goodness. I was like, I, I can't. I, I, oh, no words. I don't have words. Whatever. I hate she's a, she's a comedian. She is? Oh, yeah. How can you be that uptight and be a comedian? Oh, easy with the gun references. Yeah, that's know. that's <laughs> can I say the smoking gun. Uh, it was something like that. Yeah, I can't, it was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. We should do a skit at the beginning of our podcast where every like you're the host and everything that I say, like hey, 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 it triggers me. Like yeah, like 
Welcome to the Woke Cast. <laughs> Welcome to Woke Forest. The best podcast for all of mankind. Hey, easy with the gender. Hey, specific mankind. It's, 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 what would it be? What would the proper person kind? Person kind, yes. Yeah. Let's call Justin Trudeau. He'll tell well, us. Well, Deep Thoughts by Jack Handy. Yeah. The problem with mankind is if you try to determine the meaning, you separate the words into their two root words, which is mank and ein. <laughs> and the meaning of those words will never be deciphered. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Anyway. Oh, my God. Classic SNL Alder. I butchered that quote, but something like that. No, you were right on. You were spot on. I doubt it. Last but not least, any internet sleuth or conspiracy theorist worth their weight and salt knows of the mysterious case of, I just mentioned her a minute ago, Elisa Lamb. Mm-hmm. Lamb was staying at the Cecil in 2013 when she suddenly disappeared. Elevator surveillance footage showed her on February 21st, just before disappearance, walking on and off the elevator, talking to herself and moving around in a very bizarre manner. There's something else, too. That hey, wait, I, is that the one in the tank? In the yes, water tank? Okay. Yes. I thought it was, but for, yeah, keep going, though. You will never see this mentioned anywhere, but people listening, if you have any familiarity with the Elisa Lamb case, watch the elevator footage. No one says it, but right before she walks away, at the very end of the clip of the elevator footage, you can see it's on the left side of the elevator door, because the, the footage is coming from a camera inside the elevator. Yeah. The door's open. She's walking in and out of it, being super weird. She walks out of it, pauses for a minute, and before she walks away to the left, to her left, just peeking around the edge of the elevator door, you see someone else's foot. You've said that before, I think. No one else. I've read so many forums. I've read comments. I've went to YouTube sections on this, and no one else has ever mentioned it, but it's it's right there. Someone else was there. Yeah. Yeah, uh, which is changes everything. Yes. Because then you're thinking, oh, suicide. I mean, that's what everyone says anyway, right? Uh, yeah, or that, yeah. Uh, that's. A, I mean, other than the paranormal type stuff. Yeah, because, we, yeah, well, okay, so. How long was she in that water tank? Well, okay. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I might have it here. Spoiler. No, no. you were going there, right? Okay, 18 days. 18 days later, her nude body was found inside one of the water takes on the roof of the hotel. So here's the strangeness right here. The part, okay. apart from a fire escape that most tenants were not aware of, all access points to the roof were oh, locked. Oh, that's right. I remember right, that part. At all times. And the only way to access the top of the water tank itself was with a ladder that was not present at the time she was found. And the lid on the tank was incredibly heavy. No one knows how the hell she not only opened that's it right. from the top, but then got in and shut it again once inside. She yeah. weighed like 105 pounds. Yeah. Anyway, that's another podcast, but um, yeah. That's crazy. The foot thing is crazy. Yeah, yeah. So anyone listening, if you are familiar with that case, go back and watch that. I, I, I don't watch it. I don't Must know see TV. Yes. Whose foot is that? If we could find that, I bet we'd have a good idea. Of, the foot belongs to the killer. Yeah, that's right. It could. Yeah. Oh, I'm well, somebody that would know something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll never know. That's crazy. Probably not. Hmm. So once at the Cecil, Jack began, and this is in quotes, researching for his article. He even got help from the LAPD, oh, who allowed yeah. him to do ride-alongs with them when, <laughs> I'm serious, uh, when they drove around the red light districts and around the city. So unbeknownst to them, the Austrian magazine and the LAPD were literally sponsoring a serial killer. I wonder what kind of conversations, I wonder if at some point the guy's like, 
So, uh, what do you think, like, if, you know, what do you think would make this a hard case to crack? What do you think the guy could do to stay under the radar, you know? If I was going to abduct one of these girls, what would be, like, the hardest way that you don't think you would be able yeah. to find out how, what I've how, how could a guy cover his tracks, you think? Yeah. You know, you're a professional. And then, yeah, you know, that might shed some light on the case. Or, I don't know. He's all taking notes down and stuff. Yeah. Yes. So, like, well, we've never checked these areas for bodies because we don't think the killer go to that much trouble. Mm. Oh, okay, that's good stuff. Yeah, yeah, you shouldn't check there. You're right. <laughs> it's good police work. The first victim, 35-year-old Shannon Exley, was found in Boyle Heights on June 20th. Then, only 10 days later, the body of Irene Rodriguez was found in the same neighborhood. Then, Peggy Booth was found dead in Malibu Canyon on July 10th. All three women were sex workers, and all three had been savagely beaten before they were strangled with their own bras, and all three bodies were sexually violated with a foreign object. So, if this- there's only, I mean, I wish there was something that would tie all these cases together, like ties. Like everything. Yeah. I wish there was a common thread. Oh, I see what you did there. Uh, I see what you did there. I wish there was a, some type of, garment <laughs> that was found at the scenes to be a tool of destruction yeah he did know. everything but left his phone number there yeah uh, he yeah he did everything identical to as to in austria he had man imagine his level of like like imagine what he thought of himself i don't know there's a word for that uh um uh, uh, uh self-esteem or whatever narcissism yeah or whatever he had to be riding high, like he had to be on cloud nine. Oh yeah, like so he he killed, went to jail for it, uh, fooled everyone because you know the whole time he's doing that, it was all a big act. Yeah, I mean he's he's he he's got to feel like he's you know it, somebody wins an Academy Award or, or something on on a TV show and he watches it, he's gonna be like that guy's got nothing on me. Yeah, he played a character for an hour and a half and won an <laughs> award for it. I've been playing this character for years, yeah. And, and yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. And I, I convinced everybody. Yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. All for us. All, all Tom Hanks did was just, you know, wear old shoes. Yeah, and just talk with a, a, a fake accent for a couple. All he hours. did was sat with a kid and picked up on his dialect, and the rest is Oscar history, <laughs> Academy Award history, whatever it is. Anyway, that's crazy. It is. So, by the time U.S. authorities released a profile on the M.O. of the killer, Jack was back in Austria. However, at this point, Austrian officials had finally come to the realization that Jack Unterweger was their murderer. Ah, wow. Yeah. A 19-year-old prostitute, Joanna, came forward to say that she had been picked up by, uh, in Graz, that's a city there, uh, by a man in a car whose number plate read Jack 1. (laughs) I mean, come on, man. Come on. <laughs> what serial, What other serial killer has a tag with their name on it? Yeah, he, he picked me up in a Volkswagen that said Ted B on the side. <laughs> come on. <laughs> However, oh, as smart as he was, I will never get, oh, I will never understand why when, when Ted went to Lake Sammamish and abducted Janice Ott and the other girl, yeah. he used his real name. Oh, yeah. 50 people were around. He's like, hey, I'm Ted. I was like, come oh, on, yeah. man. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. That's something the cops probably thought, well, this name won't check out. You right. Know? And then, you know, they were like, 
Whoa, he used his real yeah. name? Yeah. Hey, speaking of Ted, did you see in that documentary where like fans of uh, the Unabomber, um, they made the shirt that had the that picture on your wall of the infamous hoodie and aviator glasses, and it said uh, Ted on there, and it said ideas worth spreading. Oh my God, that's brilliant! <laughs> that was a T-shirt. That, oh my God, like, Ted Kaczynski Ta- fans. Ted talk, yeah, yeah, Ted, Ted talk. Oh my God, ideas worth spreading. Yeah, uh, that's pretty funny. Listen, some <laughs> you started this a couple of months ago. Yeah, because I watched which I. I'm less of a fan of that show that I plugged a couple months ago. Are you? Now, yeah, it was dramatized. I mean, I probably knew that it was. Well, The Manhunt Unabomber, that's on Netflix. But there's a new one called In His Own Words. Yes, that's fantastic. And it's not as new as we thought. It's 2018. Oh, okay. I thought it was brand new. But still, I hadn't seen it on there until you mentioned it. I mean, it's still pretty new. So Ivan started it a couple months ago, and we keep getting sucked back into the Unabomber. So we're we're just going to have to do a deep dive. Yeah, we are. I mean, multiple episodes. We should just start from the beginning and talk about every bomb. And, you know, I, I don't know. I really like the way that series did it. That that I kind of binge. I'm not a binge watcher. I don't binge stuff, but the way they did it was really cool. They talked about every case, but then they also they almost had two timelines going. They had a present timeline of him talking about everything, and then they went all the way back to the beginning to the first bomb. And then what's cool is is they found like a recording of him talking about a certain time. Yes. The most chilling one is that he was laying there with on his belly with the gun pointed at the lady and her daughter yeah the little yeah and he's like i should shoot the little one but if i do the big one might get away yeah and then if i shoot the big one the little one will be left out here on her own yeah and, and that's way too close to to my house or whatever yep yeah um, i really think ted kaczynski would have been a traditional serial killer but i think he was smart enough to say let's send these things out that way there's no evidence close to me yep and he would have never been caught had he not written the manifesto yeah the manifesto killed him yep i mean he probably knowing him like 180 iq something like that yeah genius genius um he probably knew that that might have been the thing to get him caught i i think that he probably thought well when i send this out there's a good chance i might be busted but he wanted it made public sure worth the risk i mean it was like his magnum opus it was totally you know his big achievement yeah, so um, we got. I don't do know. That. I'd like to know how much, how much he thought that may out him. You know, but uh, he had to have known. I mean, yeah, it's you know, there's examples of his writing, you know, out there. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, really, the 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 wife of his brother, his sister in law. If it wouldn't have been for her, I mean, you know, the the that's what I'm going to say. The Manhunt Unabomber, the 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 movie. Well, it's a series. It it talked more about the profiler guy and it was about the profiler. Oh, okay. But they didn't really in the in the documentary that we watched, it didn't really talk about the profile much. Nope. No, it didn't. So maybe that was a bunch of BS. It may have been. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Keep going. Yeah, so, definitely in the future, the a complete deep dive on the Unabomber. For yeah. sure. I mean, we should maybe that should be something we should figure out. Like, how much did the profile how much how big of a part did it play right i mean one says a bunch and the other one says not much right so i know i don't it know might be what's the answer the, yeah. yeah somewhere in the middle that's a classic thing yep so yeah 19 year old joanna uh, a sex worker had come forward to say that she'd been picked up and grasped by a man whose number plate read 
uh, it's either W Jack or Jack one. And I don't know. It's either one of the two. So he'd made her an offer. Uh, I'm sorry. He'd made her take off her clothes and lie on her belly. Then he'd handcuffed her wrists behind her back. She screamed in pain and fear. And the louder she screamed, the more he moaned. He then drove her back to Graz. It happened in October 1990, days before the two prostitutes were murdered. Joanna recognized Unterweger from a photograph that they knew, uh, and they knew they had their man. Jack had already been questioned a couple of times and knew the evidence was mounting. Sensing the jig was up, Jack and his girlfriend Bianca Mrak packed up and fled the country. So I have a question here. Yep. And it's like this with a lot of serial killers that I've read about. Almost every one of them certain ones they let go even uh was it robert parker ray the toy box killer whoever uh his last victim would be victim he just drove her back to town and let her go why did jack not murder this joanna girl why did he have a girlfriend that was safe with him like even ted bundy had the girl elizabeth he had the girlfriend for five years he worked with Ann Rule. That's why she wrote The Stranger Beside Me. Jack, uh, not Jack, Ted Bundy worked at a, like a suicide hotline thing next to future famous author Ann Rule. And she said she felt safe with him. He would walk her out to her car after after they were done. And, you know, because she was scared of the dark. My guess would be that it's not, you'd be tempted to say, well, he formed a relationship with this person and not these other people. My guess is, uh, you know, a sociopath is a sociopath. So I, I think that they form nothing with no one and it's just chance or, you know, they just, it messes with their plan. I mean, or, or maybe they, like to appear normal, I need a girlfriend. So this one I won't kill. Yeah. She'll be my girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm under the impression that they don't have anyone. I, maybe I'm wrong, but it, I mean, this is something that I love someone's input that, that knows these behaviors, but it just seems like to me, like they couldn't form a relationship with anyone really. Right. I don't think so. Not, I mean, but, but not, not a true one that they feel deep. Right. You know, you're right. You're right. It's like, I don't know. Sorry about the point. I'm trying to relate it to something like to everyday life, like why you have certain things and why you other things you don't have. Like, why do you, I don't know. It's like, I have black socks. I'm never going to wear them. (laughs) <laughs> but I know that I need. I might need them sometime. Oh, no, wait, that, that that doesn't work at all. That, uh, no, you're right. That no, I think I think that's a diff, I think that's a, a decent a decent parallel to draw. Yeah, because uh, I'm a grown ass man, and every grown ass man should have black socks. Yeah, even if I don't wear them. There yeah. you go. That's a perfect comparison. I thought thank that you. was okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. You laughed, but I thought that was pretty good. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. The thing about letting the people go. There's. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, because you hear so many times in cases like this, the serial killer, there's just one or two that he just drove them back to their house or just lay, you know, back to the street corner. Do you feel like, okay, do you feel like maybe it's the fact that, um, you remember the line from the uh, Riddler in one of the Batmans, and it's not one of the good ones, but Jim Carrey was in it, and his part was pretty good. But uh, Two-Face is like, well, let's kill Batman, and they got a gun on him, they're about to kill him. And uh, the Riddler's like, hey, we can't kill him. And they're like, why not? It's like, because he won't learn nothing, you know? <laughs> so, th- and what I'm trying to say with that is, like, do you think that they want that fear to, like, live in that person? So if you kill someone, like, fear's over. 
Yeah. But you let them go with that fear. And do you think that's something they kind of get off on that get off on that someone's living with that fear that you imparted upon could them? Could be, yeah. Could I don't know. Be. That's could something be. else I was just thinking about. Yeah. I didn't ever, I never thought about it that way, but it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, we need to get more into the psychology of that because that is just a weird phenomenon that has happened with almost every one of these people. I've heard of it before. And then, like, uh, there was the one where um, it's an old Unsolved Mysteries to where this guy tried to kill this girl outside of this um, bar. There was no one there. It was, like, shut down. It looked like, real late at night. And uh, he left her for dead. And she was like laying in the parking lot and she like crawled back to her like station wagon. Yeah. Didn't he drive over her? He drove, he drove back by and saw her crawling into her. So he could have at any point like pulled back in there and finished it. But then he ended up like coming back by and he followed her and she pulled into like her friend's house and she made it to the steps and like banged on the door. Wow. So, I mean, he could have probably killed her. Yeah. You know, when he drove back by the second course, time. Yeah. So it's like, Why? You know? Yeah. Is it like one of those things, like the thrill of that? I don't know. I don't know either. Yeah, I've wondered that before. Anyway, I forgot the particulars of that case. But anyway, that's what it is. I thought I'd seen that episode until you went the other way with it, and I guess I haven't. Oh, uh, you might have, but it's been probably been a long time ago. It's, yeah. It was a it was a late eighties one. It for was. Sure. Yeah. God, yeah. What a anyway, great show. Yeah, it is a great show. Authorities chased Jack and Bianca for the next few months through Austria, France, Switzerland, and the United States. Throughout this time, he kept in touch with the media, often calling to proclaim his innocence and to explain why he couldn't turn himself in. Jack was very concerned with what people thought of him, as most sociopaths are, and authorities ended up using this weakness to catch him. The FBI convinced him that they were uh, reporters from Success Magazine ready to pay him $10,000 for the chance to hear his side of the story. Unterweger took the bait, and instead of sitting down with a reporter, he walked into a room filled with U.S. Marshals. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So about that, that, that's something super important that I don't want to gloss over. Sociopaths really care what people think about them, and at the same time, they engage in like this insane behavior that goes against everything that they portray themselves to be, and you want to just say, if you want to why don't you just be this person that you're portraying it's like they get off on the duality of probably i've seen it firsthand they get off on the duality of i'm portraying this sweet good-hearted wholesome person to the public and at the same time i'm doing these really reprehensible shady is it the same reason things you know in is it the same is it the tom hanks scenario where they want to be like they don't want you to know them. They want you to know what they want you to know. Yeah. Like they want you to think what you, what they want you to think. You know what I mean? Yes. About them. It's like, like, I don't want them to really know me. I want them to know this thing that I'm creating. It's like a Facebook page. <laughs> Every Facebook page is just a commercial for what that person wants you to think about. Well, yeah. I mean, it's marketing. It's, I mean, everyone's guilty of that. Every Facebook page is, hey, my life is this. Sure. But it's not. Sure, it's not. It's it not. Couldn't, it couldn't be. No. It, it's the same thing about the podcast and versus the debates. Like, that's a very small slice of, uh, of what someone is. And the person pretending to be that is guilty of one thing, uh, of... of doing that which we all are if we're on there uh but the people that think they know the person based on the facebook page they're guilty in a way too because they bought into it 
Yeah, back when I, back when I had it, I've seen it too much. You've seen like me and my hubsies going out for anniversary, and you're like, "You lying shit! You hate each other! Yeah. You cheat on each other!" I know that everyone knows you're lying. This what, isn't true. No, so. The way I look at that, and, and I think about even my own posts that I, you know, take little pictures and videos of my kids and stuff like that. The way I look at it is like, I don't know. I I feel a little bit better about it, even though I am somewhat fake. Everyone is. I'll admit it. Uh, I don't think you're fake. Well, but I mean, in that sense, right? Um, but I like to think of it this way. Like if I had a picture of my phone of something funny that happened to the house, like at the house, when I came here, or maybe if I, let's say I had it on a Polaroid, you know, shake it, shake it, no, uh, uh, shake it like a Polaroid. Polaroid anyway, I would like to think that it's the same type of thing, and and air quotes around. I would like to think of me. Hey, look at this Polaroid picture of something funny happening. Yeah, no, that's totally fine. I mean, I think, but people didn't take Polaroid pictures of their you know dinner plate, right? You know, well, so I mean, how how. Oh, sorry. How different is it, you know, than what you would take a picture of before the social media thing? And that's, I like to try to stay grounded like that. I mean, yeah, the pictures that I take are just like pictures that you would have taken a long time ago. It's not some kind of crazy thing. Exactly. uh, The thing that I don't like is the, like you said, like uh, spending some quality time with da-da-da-da, and it's a selfie I mean, sometimes I guess that's okay. I know. Live in the moment, people. Live in the damn moment. But when it's too much, I don't know. Okay, so the new Jumanji movie, not the two, but you know, not, no, I know not the about. first the one re- with Robin the Williams. The franchise. Yes, the first yeah. re- remake. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the very beginning of the movie starts with the hot girl waking up, right? And she she just wakes up and she's going to take a selfie and post it. But before she does it, she like looks and she she's laying in bed still. She moves her coffee cup a little bit and she kind of moves her hair <laughs> and she kind of looks and she does this like she repositioned herself. Yeah. Then she takes the selfie yeah. and then it shows her uploading it and it says, just woke up mornings. Ugh. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah. That makes my saying. stomach turn. Yeah. I don't know. I just have a visceral hatred for that. Well, my defense for myself then is uh, I have a thing where if I let my hair grow out too long, when I wake up, I have the Wolverine uh spikes <laughs> i've hair. seen that yeah so i take a selfie of that and post that on and it's like yeah, why do i wake up every morning looking like hugh jackman from yeah, wolverine that's just a funny thing that happened um i you know if i was vain in that other way of course i'm vain in another way trying to be funny no you it's know? Not, i don't think vanity is coming through that from trying well to be anyway funny. but i'm just trying to say like uh you know i guess that makes me feel a little bit better because somebody that was really worried about their you know, look would never would never post that. Yeah, they'd fix it first. Yeah, because that looks pretty hideous. Um, <laughs> when my hair starts doing that, I cut it. So right. I don't wanna, yeah, I, had, I eventually had to cut my hair. Sometimes too. I make a fist and I <laughs> squeeze and <then> see if <laughs> oh it's nothing. Bu- yeah, damn it, Admantium. No, uh, isn't that what that is? Yeah, I think yeah. It is. Oh, by the way, the nineties. Uh, if you have Disney Plus, um, let me plug them for some reason. Yeah, because uh, they're hurting. The night. Yeah, they are. They're about to go out, guys. <laughs> But the 90s X-Men cartoon aged so well. Really? I, I've been watching it. <laughs> it's it's still good. I promise you, you should check it out. Wolverine's in yellow and blue, right? Yeah. Yeah, originally, yeah. But I mean, it's it's so good. I mean, they did such a good I job loved, on I that cartoon. I loved it, man. I'm, I know, and, and it was one of those things, I was like, ah, uh, 
here I go. We're running another one of my childhood shows by watching it again. Right. And it's like, wait, it's still good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it Thank is good. God. Yeah, it, it really, and, and somebody out there may watch it and be like, no, it's not. But yeah, I promise. For me, it was. It's awesome. So check it out. <laughs> Disney Plus, one more time. Yeah, yeah. You better help. You better help subscribe. <laughs> so uh, Jack was extradited back to Austria and charged with 11 murders, seven in Austria, one in Prague, and three in Los Angeles. His trial lasted two months, and Jack seemed very confident throughout the whole thing. However, he was found guilty of nine of the 11 murders and was shortly after sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Ah, okay. But he had one more life to take. On June 29th, 1994, the same day he received his life prison sentence, Jack hanged himself in his cell using a rope made from shoelaces and a cord from the trousers of his tracksuit. Ironically, the knot he used was the same knot used on all of his victims. It's poetic justice. It is. Not really. I mean, it's it's (laughs) irony for sure. Yeah, for sure. Unterweger had asserted his intention to seek an appeal, and therefore, under Austrian law, his guilty verdict was not considered legally binding after his death. So there was a loophole here where he's not guilty of these murders. Like, charges were basically dropped because Mm. of this loophole, because of his death. Which, by the way, (laughs) narcissists and sociopaths almost never take their own lives. This is a unicorn here. Yeah. It almost never happens. Almost never. Yeah. I'm like one in a million. So anyway, that's really weird aspects. God dang it. I think he knew that. What's that? You think he knew that? It's like, there's one way I can beat these charges. (laughs) I think he did. Yeah. That's crazy if he did. Because on paper, he is not even charged. You know, he, he, it's, he's clear on paper. Hey, I've got an idea for something for the old law books. You guys stay with me on this. If you kill yourself, you're not guilty. What do you guys think? Is that good? Oh, yeah, that's good. Some of this stuff doesn't make, meet the common sense. Um, it's weird. And I understand legal mumbo jumbo and there's a reason for stuff. But some stuff as I get older, I'm like, why is this a thing? Right. I don't understand. It is weird. So enlighten us. Tell us why. If you're listening from Austria and you've <laughs> dabbled in law and all that crap. Uh, well, I think another reason why he committed suicide, because he knew no amount of poetry or, or pageantry was going to get him out this time. Well, OK, it. that would make sense that like make people feel bad for him, like the people that were still supporting him, like, oh, he offed himself. I bet he was innocent. You know, maybe people thought maybe some people thought that. Yeah. If people that wanted to think that. I've if he it. was a narcissist, he wouldn't kill himself. Ha, we were right the whole time. Yeah. But you notice how those same people probably wouldn't be like, let's find the real murderer. Right, now. right. Yeah, like OJ didn't do it, but no one continued to search for the real killer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Who had, I'm sure as Norm MacDonald had something on there. Oh, Still for sure. looking for the real killer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Awkward, huh? Yeah. So I'm going to end this with uh, some words from one of Jack's poems. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. This ought to be great. Knowing what we know, it's super creepy, but here it is. No theme is more poetic than the death of a beautiful woman. There is an age at which a woman must be beautiful in order to be loved, and there is an age in which a woman must be loved in order to be beautiful. Yeah. And I did my best to keep people at that age (laughs) to where they would never supersede it. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. 
I don't know. So that's it. Jack Unterweger. Yeah, I mean, so there is something like rooting for the underdog and, and you know, there's there's always the David and Goliath story. So, I mean, I could see, and, and like you said before, the, you know, we want to root for the, the guy that's down. It's almost like the Ricky Gervais had a great line, or Gervais, sorry, uh, where he came out and at the beginning of one of his specials, he talked about how he uh, he had a uh, drug addiction that he um, overcame. Right. And people clap for it. And he's like, don't clap for that. He's like, if I came out and said that I've never taken any drug whatsoever, it would be like crickets. You'd be like, yes, yeah, so what? But if I've over if I've overcame some big drug addiction and I did all, and I think he, he churched it up even more, like talked about how he used to do all this really bad stuff. And yeah. people are clapping. Yeah. So technically, really, if you come out and a guy's serious and he goes, hey, I used to be a drug addict and I overcame that. Someone should be like, you corrected as good. You shouldn't have been a drug addict in the first place. You simply <laughs> corrected a situation that you created. Yeah. People want to root for that person. And I I guess we probably should because if no one overcame and no one ever overcame anything. Right. Right. I mean, society would suck. No. Right? Yeah. Yes. I yes. get that. But. I mean, it's a very funny thing that you couldn't get in a round of applause if I think, and this is still quoting him, like if I came out and said, I've never taken a drink of anything, I've never taken an illegal drug, I've never done this, I've never done that, the crowd would just be stunned and they would say nothing, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> I, it Wasn't there another comedian that said like, you know, something about how him and his wife just had a baby and uh, then people clapped or whatever. And then he was like, oh, so you basically just clapped because I had sex with my wife. <laughs> I think that was another. It might have been from the same special, but I thought I found that kind of humorous. It's like, isn't that kind of creepy that you just clap because I yeah. had sex with my wife? And, you know, I don't know. You walk out like, I, I haven't touched myself in eight days. <laughs> I'm, recover- I'm, I'm recovering. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. He's an underdog. But I mean, I think that's the whole the whole allure of this guy was like, okay, you know, if someone can do something so bad, and I said this at the beginning, if someone can do something so bad and come out on the other side and be a great guy, that thing where I told my dad to F off and drove away and never talked to him again, you know, I'm not such a bad guy. At least I didn't yeah. kill somebody. You know, I mean, yeah. I don't know. It's just rooting for that and it makes you feel better Um, well and this i've mentioned it before but this type of thing with this guy this is very valuable in like the religious world i've said it before (laughs) i look it's the truth yeah the worst of the worst of a person you are is like currency the worse you were before you found Jesus, the better. That's true. Because I've heard so many preachers, I was a drunk. It's I was there. a fist-fighting, rooting, tooting, side-farting, woman-beating, alcohol-drinking son of a bee. You know what I mean? And it's then I the found classic Jesus. revival person that comes around. Yes. That's what gets people fired. And then I back found up. God. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, the worse you were before, the better. But, you know, if a yeah. guy's like, eh, you know. I grew up in a nice family, never really did nothing, and yeah. uh, was a Christian since age eight, and I just kind of... Yeah. I mean, that's still good. People, that's they're not, not like, so, I get out, but it's not nearly as Yeah, uh, no, that's valuable. not so crazy, or that's not so, like, stunning. By the, what's side farting, by the way? Did I say side farting? <laughs> I don't know. What is I that? I hope I'm never guilty of that. <laughs> um, remember the power team? The, the Oh, the strong guys. I'm going to rip a phone book in half for Jesus. 
we should tell Cody, it's like, hey, you want a side gig? You know, you should start you a new power team. Yeah. I mean, he'd be a good power team guy. Can you, can you blow up uh, one of those? Except he's not full of shit. Rubber band. But that's only, Cody, come on, man. Can you be full of shit for a little bit? Come on, let's go. Just uh, for us. I'll come be on, your man. manager. Uh, but listen, there was a guy all tattooed up that I remember he came to our gym and he was talking about how he was in prison and did drugs and all this stuff. And I, that's the guy I remember. I don't remember the other guys. Right, right, right. See? Yeah. And for some reason, answer this. How's this logical? You know those those things you fill with hot water? Those yeah, that's what I was talking about. Well, that they blow up. And, Were you talking about those? Yeah, they blow them up and burst. Yeah. I couldn't remember the name of them. Yeah. Like, how can you be stronger than the average person with your lungs? They just work out yeah, their what, lungs. And how do you work out your lungs? You just. <laughs> <laughs> I just wonder. I just see like, I almost see it from like something from SpongeBob where he's like <laughs> doing push-ups and then he's one arm, no arms, because he's like, you know, air blowing on the ground yeah. and it's lifting him up. <laughs> I, I never really thought about that when I was a kid. It's like, man, how could I train to blow up a thing to where it busted? <laughs> well, but, you start young blowing dandelions. <sighs> Starts there. <laughs> that's when I knew I wanted to blow stuff up. Blow stuff up. I, that yeah, 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 wrong. yeah, yeah. Anyway. Pedal out of that one. <laughs> abort. Abort. Uh, <laughs> Instantly you know, regret that choice of words. Talk to Cody. He's missing out on a side gig that could make him a – I mean – I'm sure he could get 20% of the offer and played if he went to a church on Sunday and ripped stuff up. I mean, they, I don't know where you get a phone book anymore, whoever has those, but I remember ripping up a phone book right in half. Right in half. Like, not the local phone book, but like the Metro. Yeah, know, man. This rip. thing is thick as the King James. Yeah. I, what kind of weight machine do you think makes you good at that? I don't know. We'll have to ask Cody. We got, we, we, now we have a, uh, like a liaison that can tell us about. So, Cody, come on, man. Let us know whenever hey. you see them. How, what kind of machine, what kind of weights kind of lift. <laughs> That's all I want to get big in is the phone book ripping. I just want to We're know. We're going to gonna have to have him back on to talk yeah, about Yeah, he that. needs to come back. So mm-hmm. yesterday I called him to come out to work and help me work on something. Yeah. He shows up and you know those 80s, I guess they're sunglasses, but they're plastic and they just have the slits in them. <laughs> And they look like the American flag. He has those on? He comes in wearing those, and he's enormous. Yeah. And he does what is the best Macho Man Randy Savage impersonation I've ever... He's like, ooh, where's this piece of equipment at, man? I I can't do it. He did it so good. He stepped on the Slim Jim. Oh, yeah. It was so great. Yeah. (coughs) Didn't he die? Didn't that guy die? Yeah. Dude, no WWE wrestler lives past 52. I don't know why. The Ultimate Warrior, that really surprised me. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I mean, just a shock. I, I don't want to laugh at the guy's death, but I mean, come on. It's I mean, crazy. That guy was ripped. Like, I mean, he had veins where I didn't know he had veins. No, we were talking about him. That's weird because Cody and I were talking about the Ultimate Warrior. That I mean, guy, doesn't wasn't he like, don't you remember him being the, one of the most ripped oh, and yeah. like, like textured dudes? Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the, his shtick was like he would get beaten down. Right. But then the crowd would go nuts and he would grab the top rope and start shaking oh, it. Yeah. Oh, he's coming back. Oh, they, they'd cheer more and, oh, and then he would start shaking his head. And then yeah. all of a sudden he's got this whole new second wind and he just kicks the shit yeah. out of everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I had this neighbor one time, this neighbor kid that uh, kind of knew it all, uh, thought he did. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were watching a, a movie or something and uh, um, 
the theme song came on to this boxer. It wasn't Rocky. It was a less well-done movie. And a theme song came on, and I think somebody had a radio and pressed play on this tape. Do <laughs> you know this movie? I don't think so. The, the, but the guy could hear it, and then he got pumped up, and he's like, oh, yeah. I don't think I've seen no. I can do this. And then he started fighting, and uh, uh, my the, the guy said, yeah, I knew a guy that he was thrown out of boxing for that. And <clears> I was like, what are you talking about? It's like, yeah, one of his friends brought a tape player oh in there. Oh, my God. And he was disqualified and banned from the sport because you because that will give you a competitive edge. And I, what's sad is I was like, man, that's crazy. So music can make a difference. So he had me thinking there for a minute, like, you know, all you need is a theme song in life. You know, if you had your theme song, <laughs> things are going bad for you, press play in this. And then I remember having this whole thing in my head, like, man, People should just listen to music all the time. Life, which I'm kind of right about that. Uh, I don't know. I just thought it kind of crazy that I bl- I bought into the story that you know. Oh, he was banned, and and I was thinking, man, music's as bad as drugs, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I mean, that's all bad. No stuff. kidding. Yeah. How was it that everyone knew a kid like that that was just so <laughs> full of shit? On something everything. else that he told us is he's told us one time that a guy that he knew was riding a motorcycle. And he like went around a corner and the, and it like the, you know, he laid it over and he flew off the bike and he said that he didn't have a helmet. He said, you should always wear a helmet because this happened to this guy that I knew. And he said he flew off the bike and luckily there was a squirrel running by <laughs> oh my God. and he, he went head first and he killed the squirrel, like head butted the squirrel into the pavement and like splattered it. And he like rolled off into the ditch and he's like, if it wasn't for that squirrel, he would oh be a vegetable. <laughs> and I hate it. He was older than us. And I hate it because I was like, that is insane. Yeah, you placate him. Yeah. Everybody does. I think that's why they keep telling the stories. Why would he lie about that? Right. <laughs> <laughs> but he had story after story that was kind of like that. And he made, and he really ruined my young little mind when I was like, you know, probably seven years old. Like, wow, what a coincidence. Yeah. I'll tell you, I think I've mentioned this before. I only have like eight stories and I've told them all, (laughs) but I just graduated high school and I got this job at a chicken plant. Yeah. Working overnights. I worked there one night. Do the chickens have large talents? Yeah. Boy, I don't know what you just said. I think everybody's had that one job where they worked there like one night. Sure. I worked there part of one night. Yeah. And I was like, I would literally rather die. (laughs) than continue to work here. God bless all of you that are here. That's good. That's a good thing. It was awful. I mean, I can't work overnights anyway because how many I, people like natural, have that initial thought and they like keep pushing it down, like stomping it. Right. Like the garbage can's too full, but I'm going to keep stomping that trash and I'm going to keep adding trash in there until my barrel breaks and then there's <laughs> trash and ooze all over the garage floor because <laughs> I was too lazy to take the trash bag out and quit the proverbial job that i should quit back in 1974 i'm sorry dude this guy it was like 98 or 99 okay i only worked with him for like six hours because i didn't even finish my shift because i said i had to go to the bathroom and i ran to my truck and i drove off like i just set the place on fire i didn't even go back for my paycheck the next you know i was like screw this place yeah i'd rather die so yeah but and and that that, guy probably did like (laughs) soon thereafter i mean probably on your way out he told me 
it was it was six hours of me going, dang, in my, in my head going, shut up, you are so full of crap. Oh, he had stories like that. Huh? All the story. Oh, I can't even like the. Oh, I, that was what was so bad about the job. No, not everything else. Oh, too. everything else. Ev- literally okay. everything else. But what would he tell you? Oh, uh, in uh, was it? It was either in Backstreet Boys. The Backstreet Boys were like his mom dated their dad back in the like late eighties. <laughs> And why no. are you almost a hundred talking about the Backstreet Mid Boys? Mid eighties. That's that's not a he, life goal. Of he mine. said they're my stepbrothers. They're all my. And he oh. named all their names. He's like, yeah, we hung out. I haven't seen him in a while. And then he went on to like, oh, Bob Seger. He met Bob Seger, and they like worked on a song together, and it ended up being part of Night Moves or some shit. I'm telling you. Yeah. And then oh, uh, and then he, he was wanting to say against the breeze, but I said no, Bob. <laughs> Against the wind has better ring to it, <laughs> and you know what? I was right. The rest is history. That's right. Yeah. And, Against and, the breeze, I'm telling you. And then he started getting me involved. I don't know why I remember this so many years later, but he was like, "Who's the biggest wrestler in wrestling today?" And I was like, <laughs> "I don't know the giant." And I meant the giant. Yeah, Andre the giant. Right? No, oh, I no, meant no, the, the giant. giant. Yeah. Okay. At that time, yeah. the giant. That's right. That's but he's right. like, "No, you're right, Andre the giant." <laughs> He's my uncle. And I was like, oh, my God. You said Andre with a Giant was his uncle. I, I, that's just the three I remember, the three stories. But Yeah, yeah, I know him. Whoever you're going to say, I know him. But I just remember looking everywhere. I was just fresh out of high school, and everybody just looked so just dead-eyed and just stacking pallets of eggs. I don't know. It was just like a – it just scared me. I was like, you know, I got to get out of here. To contrast that, don't you love when someone's at a place like that and it's almost like they're the the Andy of the yard talking about Shawshank again, where it's like the place didn't get to them. Like they just kind of walk around and whistle and, you know. Yeah. I mean, you could have a crap job and still be a happy person. I mean, oh, that's for sure. a very yeah. resilient person. Not even resilient. I didn't want to say resilient. That cheapens the whole experience. Like you're just not, you're somewhere else. And it's kind of, it goes back to mindfulness and meditation. I bring it up every episode, but you're, if your body's one place, your mind doesn't have to be there. Right. I mean, I mean, it's very incredibly difficult for your mind not to be there if it's a, you know, some kind of crazy, like, terrible situation. But what I'm saying is on a normal, any normal, like, scenario, I don't know. Well, it's weird because I that job was my worst nightmare, but I went into a field where very oftentimes I've been in the bottom of manholes or lift stations with human waste. But it's like, I totally don't mind. I love my job. Yeah. it's Yeah, so I guess it's all just like, it's all in your mind, I guess. Mindfulness, yeah. Yeah, I'm telling you. I'm like, yeah, this is fine. I like my job. But, yeah. But stacking the eggs overnights was just like, I'd rather die. No. <laughs> Isn't that I, weird? Well, I mean, you were confined <laughs> in one space. That's got to be really tough. Yeah. I mean, a survival tech uh, tactic, I mean, think about like if something like, if you're like, it, let's let's say like you're in the woods and something jumps out and grabs you and you have that like all you can think about is the escape like i've got to escape and that's something goes back to like uh, evolutionary like. behavior yeah. like our evolutionary you know we got to get away from the we can't be in one place if we're in one place that's really dangerous we got to be able to like go and move around that's how you survive I mean, yeah because if you're in a small area and you're stuck there you're dead so, I mean, that's got to be something to that. 
I guess. Yeah. I, I wasn't built for factory work. Yeah. I mean, I would do it. I would do anything to feed my family. Sure. But if I got a choice, yeah. my ass ain't doing that. Luckily, uh, you know, I hate to say this, but people say, hey, that's what's wrong with this country. But luckily, uh, technology makes it to where there's less and less people that have to do that. And 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 if you do have to do that, it's cleaner, safer. Uh, you know, there's actually, which, you know, you can blame unions for this, um, which I say blame, but I mean, you could credit them. <laughs> Like you need breaks. You can't work this many hours without a break. You can't, you know, you can't be breathing in these fumes. I mean, it's, it's a better type of living. Yeah, for sure. Know? So that's good. That's good stuff. And not for only sure. unions, but you know, every, everyone that's fought for the working man and the working woman, that's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. This is to you. This union. Is, yeah. Union guy. Yeah. Teamster. Yeah. Jimmy Hoffa. <laughs> we dedicate this to you. That's right. Because of him, we are all in a better place a little bit. <laughs> Just a little bit. Oh, so have we reached the end of yet another we have. one uh, hour, 51 minutes. Episode, golly, episode 68. Yep. Jack Unterweger. We've got, man, I'm excited. I've already got the next five episodes planned out and written down and everything. Yeah. It's going to be so fun, guys. Thank yeah. you. I was going to say earlier, uh, you can't really find analytics for what are we on? We're on Google Play, Amazon Prime, iTunes, all that stuff, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Player FM. The only one of those that really shows analytics is SoundCloud, and yeah. that, coincidentally, is the one most people don't use, I don't think. I don't yeah, know. how many thousand is it now? Uh, it's, we're, 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 gonna, we're approaching 10,000 yeah, plays. Yeah, 10,000. Thank so, you for uh, 10,000 plays. Yeah. We're, we'll pop a cork of champagne when we break 10,000. That's sure. pretty awesome. Sure, yeah. So, yep. you know, we're just two guys in a shed. And when we're not exploring our sexuality, we do a podcast, you know? Yeah. So Yeah, but not in the shed. Not in the shed, no. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Something kind of weird about explore sexuality and slash shed. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't do that in a shed. No, nah, it's cool. Yeah. It's all good. But anyway, thank you guys for, I just wanted to end it on a super awkward note. Yeah, that was awesome. All yeah, right. very good. Thanks for listening. Bring warm feelings to my heart. <laughs> See you guys next time. The Dawn of Mantis podcast is a product of Mantis Productions, created by Ivan and Joe. Produced by Ivan, with production assistance by Joe. The Dawn of Mantis podcast is written by Joe, with sound design by Ivan. The Dawn of Mantis podcast stars Joe and Ivan. You can listen to our entire back catalog of episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. The D3500 is one of the most versatile consoles in the industry. It was created by Virgil Deke in Glenwood, Michigan in the early 40s. Deke's original idea came from a desire for a more efficient unit with more flange accuracy. The D3500, or D35 as it is sometimes called by its operators, has stood the test of time against many competitors. Smith Cohen Gaines marketed the AS4 allegedly named after the once popular Andrews Sisters singing group, which was a more streamlined and cheaper unit than temporarily edged Deke's console and sales in the late 40s. Deke knew he needed an upgrade to his system, and luckily he met Clyde Guzman. Guzman, a vacuum cleaner, technical pioneer, gambled on Deke's vision and began working for him in 1942. 
In a later interview, Guzman recalled, I took a big chance leaving the household appliance industry and working on something so completely different, such as the D3500. There were few similarities, and the industry itself couldn't be more different. Guzman added many features to the D35, such as the self-oiling chamber guide and the reverse U-channel ventricular rail tabs. It was at this time that the D3500 started using cast flanges, as it saved on metal during the shortage during World War II. Those systems and ideas couldn't be rivaled by Smithco, and their company closed in 1952. The 50s and 60s were the golden age of the D3500. The metal shortages from the war were no longer a limiting factor for Deeks and Guzman. They reintroduced the stainless steel flange and sales of the console skyrocketed. Despite the success, Guzman and Deek began to have differing views on the future of the D3500. Deek liked the idea of keeping the classic rectangular facade of the machine, yet Guzman wanted to employ a more Art Nuevo look for the system. Deke's son, Thad, newly appointed assistant CEO, agreed with his father and convinced him that Guzman was no longer useful. Deke Jr. was the deciding vote that had Guzman removed. Later, Guzman would be rehired as a consultant and was formative in converting the button style of the console to the current configuration. It was also Guzman that suggested the H12 panel be added and tilted to accommodate shorter operators. In a 1985 lawsuit, the state of California versus Deke Enterprises, it asserted that shorted wires of the H-12 configuration were responsible for factory fires that had killed three operators. DE lawyers claimed in rebuttals that in proper calibration, the famous tank method and poor flange maintenance was responsible and filed a counter suit for slander. The slander suit was dismissed and the original case was settled out of court for an undisclosed amount. Shortly after, Guzman was not renewed after his contract expired, but many feel the non-renewal was due to the age 12 panel controversy. Virgil Deke died in 1992, leaving the company to his son and Clyde Guzman passed as well in 1993. It was said that Guzman and Deke remained friends until the end, going on yearly duck hunting excursions and got together often for poker nights. Thad Deke, shortly after his father's death, sold the company to Masayuki Industries for $3.2 million. This was a sale that Clyde Deke had fought with top shareholders over for the three years before his death. Today, the D-35 is out of production, and the Masayuki Industries only maintains existing consoles, making their money in service and parts distribution. Other consoles on the market today far outperform the D-35, but it still remains relevant due to the expensive purchase of newer units and the loyal operator base that is estimated to be over 400 worldwide, present company included. Of the 480% of those operators are in the United States. Thank you for listening to a brief history of the D-35. I am Mr. Alan Robert Yankton, level 5 D-35 first shift operator from Youngstown, Ohio.
Good night. <laughs>